When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. The dark web can be like a restaurant for identity thieves. Hi, ready to order? I'll have the driver's license number. Great, that comes with a home address or a birth date. Ooh, both, please. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year at LifeLock.com aware. Identity theft protection starts here. You're listening to the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Radio's authority on the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology. Celebrating 25 years of broadcasting. Broadcasting around the world and to the great beyond. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7-365. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com.
The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, Exonation. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Mutual Broadcast Network, the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, and in Europe on Radio X. My guest this hour is John L. Potash, and we're going to be talking to John about drugs as weapons against us, the CIA's murderous targeting of SDS, Panthers, Hendricks, Lennon, Cobain, Tupac, and other activists. And um, our guest this hour did his graduate studies at Columbia University, where he received a master's in social welfare and was mentored by Richard Cloward, one of America's top sociologists. He was the founding publisher of an award-winning national graduate school newspaper, the Social Justice Action, Action Quarterly. And uh, joining me now is John Potash. And John, welcome to the X-Zone. Thanks for having me on again, Rob. All right, John. Uh, this is uh, one heck of a title, Drugs as Weapons Against Us. What can you tell us? Yeah, well, the uh, the title is supposed to encompass the, the full you know, breadth of the book. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I used, I used these uh, particular musicians to draw people in so they, you know, because they most get interested in a lot of these musicians. And so I wanted them to uh, kind of gain the interest and then and see the full uh, way that the CIA used drugs to target uh, people that protested their policies. And they, those were anti-war activists or civil rights activists. And um, so that's that's it covers all of that, and I argue that a lot of these musicians had were be, had become activists or or were becoming activists, and basically they were first uh, the CIA first used the drugs to manipulate these musicians and and manipulate these musicians to promote the drugs, but then when these musicians started sobering up mm-hmm. and getting more into activism, they were done away with. Let me ask you this, John. Why would the CIA, who has no jurisdiction within the United States of America, be involved in such a thing? Well, that's that's found to be a you know a farce because uh, you know Pulitzer Prize winning reporters such as Seymour Hersh yeah. have shown that the CIA has acted against anti war activists in the early, you know late sixties and early nineteen seventies, and a number of CIA whistleblowers have shown and uh, activists have found 
that the CIA uh, targeted them with the FBI when they uh, went to you know, get their the papers that CIA and FBI had on them, and you know, they followed the Freedom of Information Act to get mm-hmm. as many papers as possible. They usually had to pay thousands of dollars to, with lawyers to fight to get those documents, and they usually didn't get all the documents, but they got enough to find out that this is what was going on. Why do you think the CIA has targeted these people? And I think they targeted these people because they were started by the uh, ruling oligarchy, the uh, the Harrimans, the mm-hmm. Rockefellers, the J.P. Morgan family, the Bushes, etc., basically uh, pushed to find it to start the CIA, according to CIA whistleblower Victor Marchetti and uh, good researchers like British um, magazine editor Francis Stoner Saunders, who wrote a very good book called The Cultural Cold War about the CIA. And uh, they founded that they started, they pushed for the starting of the CIA, and they were very right-wing. They were very conservative. They were very against the uh, civil rights movement because they were very racist. They're also against the anti-war movement because they were uh, they were very pro-war. They made a lot of money off you know a lot of overlap with the defense contractors, and they were also uh, sadly enough genocidal, believe it or not. And I show the history of that in the first chapter of the how they had founded the eugenics movement, which was the most bigoted genocidal movement this country's ever seen, and that was actually exported to uh, Germany. And they funded, you know, this, I show a lot of the evidence in the first chapter how they funded the rise of uh, Hitler and the Nazis. Hey, John, you and I have to take a break. Please stand by. Explanation John Potash is our special guest. Drugs as Weapons against us. www.johnpotash.com. And uh, John and I will return on the other side of this break. Can be fun. Whatever now you do, don't go away. The fun of dying. That's so Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Wilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we will weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Wilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. 
Maya Starr began to demonstrate a metaphysical connection to the spirit world as a little girl. Her family noticed the connection, but it was a great-grandmother who told the family that Linnea was indeed gifted. The great-grandmother, who was also gifted, felt that Linnea had indeed inherited these attributes. It has been noticed that oftentimes, such things are passed down through the generations. Linnea was also born with a call, a thin white membrane across a newborn's face. Legend has it that if the baby is born with this call, the child will have second sight, or what we call psychic abilities. Linnea Starr does past, present, and future, and has the gift of prophecy. It is written within scriptures that if you are able to give factual information, and prophecies indeed come true, the gift indeed comes from the divine realm. Linnea Starr does large interactive groups as well as private gatherings. For more information on Linnea Star or to contact Linnea for a one-on-one consultation, visit her website at www.linneastar.com. That's www.l-i-n-n-e-a-s-t-a-r.com. Explanation, uh, John Potash is with us. His website is johnpotash.com. And, and John, let me ask you a question. When, when did it change from we the people to I the person? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, Reagan seemed to be pushing that a lot, but yeah, I'm not sure. All right. How about the CIA using drugs? Um, I, I, I know, I know firsthand about the CIA and, and it's, um, and its nefarious use of drugs, mind control, being used at the uh, McGill University in Montreal, MK Ultra. But this wasn't the first time that you, uh, the CIA used drugs uh, to uh, to kind of control people, was it? No, they started with uh, operations called Artichoke and Bluebird. And that was in the the end of the 40s and the 50s. But then in 1953, they officially called it MKUltra. And it was an umbrella name for a lot of sub-projects. Yeah. And they were funding uh, you know, the testing of uh, two dozen drugs on Edgewood Arsenal soldiers. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, they were testing these drugs, different drugs, and especially LSD, when uh, prisoners and then hospital patients and then eventually they started, they had a fund company called the Human Ecology Fund, which uh, gave money to students to test on students uh, at over 100 colleges. And after that, I showed the evidence that they started testing them on uh, unwitting citizens all over the country. Now, we have some of the documents and research that shows that they had these kind of houses that they rented where they would yep. get, they would uh, pay women to act as prostitutes and pick up guys and dose their drinks. But it went much further than that, I argue, and it went on an operational level where Robert Lashbrook, like A.E. Hotchner, Ernest Hemingway's uh, longtime editor, mm-hmm. wrote a book called Blown Away about the Rolling Stones. And in that book, 
He said that MKUltra Deputy Director Robert Lashbrook went over to London in 1965 with loads of money and agents and told the agents to get LSD in as many musicians' hands as possible and also gave loads of funds to promote LSD. And the question is, why was he doing that? Now, we know he did it, and we, uh, one of the examples of, of who got that acid was Mick Jagger in 1967 said he had his first hit of acid, according to Lashbrook, who they got from uh, an undercover FBI agent named David Schneiderman, who came to a party and, and uh, got everyone to be tripping, and Jagger finally agreed to trip for the first time there before police came in and busted and had Jagger and Richards under their thumb after that legally. Mm-hmm. Now, with John Lennon, he got his first hit of acid from, believe it or not, George Harrison's dentist, according to eyewitnesses, George Harrison and uh, John Lennon's partners. I've heard that. Yeah, and so that was at a little dinner party. It was just George Harrison and his girlfriend and John Lennon and his wife, Cynthia Lennon, and uh, Dennis, Dennis and his, his uh, girlfriend, and so they just begged him to stay late uh, for dessert after they had to leave after the dinner. Right. And uh, then he, you know, they put it in his coffee without him knowing it. And then when he was about to, they were about to rush off to their friend's concert, the, the dentist says, no, you can't leave. You, you just had LSD. And Lennon was furious. George Harrison said, what's LSD? Because he never even heard of it at that time in 1965. Sure. It wasn't popular in, in uh, Britain. And uh, but then they had so many undercover agents and other people uh, convince Lennon and uh, Harrison that that it wasn't so bad and you should keep using it. And Harrison did until '67 when he stopped for good. Lennon used it a little time longer, and uh, but he he eventually said he thought he was losing his mind on LSD, and it showed because he he actually said that he was considering tree panning, which is drilling holes in your head to supposedly expand your mind. So, um, you know, but then, of course, Lennon finally sobered up and uh, in the 70s and he got more into activism when he came back around 1979, 1980 and put out those two albums. And he he, uh, put in a press release that he was going to speak at a uh, protest and play music and lead a march for uh, striking workers in California. And uh, it was that time when uh, Mark David Chapman killed him. And a CIA operative was a backup shooter and was considered also involved in that you know that murder of John Lennon, mm-hmm. according to Fenton Bressler, who uh, was an attorney, a British attorney, who was also a crime reporter for a daily newspaper and researched it for seven years and came out with a book, "Who Killed John Lennon," about how the CIA actually orchestrated that that murder. You know, I have a very special connection to MK Ultra. You told me, and it's, I'm yeah. very sorry that, that that happened. You know, and and for those who are joining us for the first time, my mom was a participant, an unknowing, unwilling participant of MKUltra in in Montreal at the Allen Memorial Institute, part of McGill University. And and you know what, I I I I can't understand how the government, whether it's the United States government or the Canadian government would sanction anything like this it's so unbelievable it's just so horrific it is sorry you went through that your mom went through that god bless her she's still around today and it certainly still has its effect on her um timothy leary what's your take on him yeah he admitted that he was working for the cia 
um, at, at some point around the early to mid 1960s. Mm-hmm. Now, first, he was just getting human ecology funds, you know, that CIA front company's money to run those projects testing LSD. Well, first it was mushrooms and then it was LSD on, on students. And, um, but I, I argue that he was partly first manipulated to change from uh, testing psychedelic mushrooms on students to testing LSD on students. And he was uh, manipulated to do that by Michael Hollingshead, who I believe was a MI6 agent. He was called a propaganda agent for, um, another institute. But, um, Anyway, Timothy Leary ends up, you know, promoting turn on, tune in, drop out, meaning, you know, get into acid and drop out of society, meaning also drop out of activism. And that was the real goal of MKUltra, was to get this whole dropped out society going. So all these young people that were getting into the civil rights movement in the early 60s and mid-60s yeah. and getting into the anti-war movement in the, 19, you know, in the mid-1960s would drop out of that activism. And then they would they would not have any more uh, protests and dissent from their right wing, you know, completely um, murderous war policies that the that the CIA and their backers, the uh, ruling oligarchy that was so pro war, you know, were, were going through with Vietnam. And with Vietnam, the reason they were uh, promoting that that longest war in our history at that time was to control the Golden Triangle, the top. A uh, heroin-producing area in the world because it's the top place to produce poppies in the world. And um, according to John Stockwell, who was a CIA station chief, who I talked to in 1990 and who has made public speeches talking about how he personally flew heroin from the Golden Triangle into the United States for the CIA, and how his fellow agents uh, continued that, and uh, they then continued that again in, in the Afghanistan area, which is called the Golden Crescent area for growing poppies and right. and producing heroin and so um that's why the afghanistan war i argue then became the longest war in u.s history after the vietnam war let me ask you something is there a connection between the cia and isis well i don't know a good uh, research website called globalresearch.ca was started by a a Canadian professor named Michael Chastodovsky. And I had originally published articles in the same magazine as him, Covert Action Quarterly, and actually one of the same issues as him. And I thought he did some great work in that his articles in that magazine. Um, and so I, I went and checked him out at um, you know, globalresearch.ca, right. which he started later. And um, and he, he has some articles documenting, showing how uh, the U.S. and Britain seem to be uh, providing funding and aid to ISIS and, uh, you know, because they, they have brand new American equipment, brand new American arms. That's right. Yeah. And uh, so there seems to be that. It seems to be a, a U.S. fabrication uh, that just popped up miraculously that no one heard of them before, like 2012 or 2013. And they only came around when... Uh, the Obama administration, sadly enough, couldn't get the backing from Congress to to bomb Syria. So they formed this, you know, new terrorist group, and all of a sudden they're allowed to bomb Syria because oh, we got to fight terrorism, which is a joke. It's fighting a noun, you know. So um, it's uh, it seems that that's what that's what uh, where ISIS came from. But that's not where I did my primary research. Of course, my primary research, of course, was this drugs as weapons against us and MKUltra and, you know, the murdering of these uh, different activists and activist musicians. Sure. John, how 
how different is the CIA that that we in the outside realm know compared to the real CIA? Well, it's, you know, uh, most spies and spy agencies use their their massive control of the media and right. propaganda in Hollywood to, you know, and the, and the British do, do it the same way with their James Bond movies. Bum, they bum, make bum. spies look so glamorous and the people you want to, you know, emulate and love and they don't they don't show them for what they really are, which is these incredibly bigoted, murderous disgusting people right um and that's what they really are genocidal horrible people really incredibly bigoted i remember um you know i actually had a uh, professor at college that was rumored to be the to have been a spy who ended up in our in our college as a professor and uh it was, he was actually they say he was supposed to be the uh protege the uh, who james bomb was uh based on i don't know if that's really true or not but but he, you know, he just he just struck me that same way. I'd be a good-looking guy and a very bright guy, but he was incredibly racist. Um, and uh, it's just that, so that's what I think is the difference. You know, it's your movie version and, and the real life version. All right, stand by, John. You and I have to take our our news break here at the bottom of the hour. Exonation. John Potash is our guest. And if you'd like to find out more about John, visit him online at www.johnpotash.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exome from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. In the winter of 65, we were hungry, just barely alive. I took the train to Richmond that fell. It was a time I remember. So Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. 
His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. Join High Tech with Corey K. Weekly here on the Exome Broadcast Network. From the world of computers to the ever-popular computerized gadgetry that are becoming part of our everyday life and living and society. From kids and their gaming devices, teens and their smartphones, to the applications of personal and business computers. From hardware to software, from standalone units to network computers. Join high-tech guru Corey K. weekly right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network as he takes on the topics that will be of use and great value to the international audience of the Exxon Broadcast Network. High-tech with Corey K. weekly. Weekends at 9 p.m. Eastern, only on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life is no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. Exxon Nation, John Potash is our special guest of this hour, www.johnpotash.com. John, so when you look at the FBI, when you look at the CIA and all the other alphabetical soup that is in Washington, um, what do we, what do we, what do we think? What do, what's the truth behind all of these alphabets? Well, they seem to be a um, you know, mercenary army for the super rich, for these uh, drug trafficking oligarchs that uh, run our country. These <laughs> oligarchs, of course, they make loads of money off of trafficking cocaine and heroin and and selling these other drugs to us. But then they're also uh, they also own defense contracting companies. They own the pharmaceutical companies, the banks. Um, and the insurance companies, and they share boards of directors with the top media companies in our country, uh, and that's how they control, you know, our news and our information to hide what's really what they're really doing with drugs and what they're really doing to our great activists and uh, our great activist musicians. So, what's the truth? 
Well, yeah, I mean, the truth is, is that they're, they're killing any dissenters mm-hmm. from their right wing policies. And that's what you see with some of these, you know, with uh, what they did to the Black Panthers, what they did to the Students for Democratic Society, what they did to Paul Robeson, which they, they targeted him, you know, and sadly in a similar way as your mother in terms of, uh, well, they, they gave him LSD without his knowledge, against his will, slipping in his drink. Right. Uh, Paul Robeson was a was the top singer in the country and a great actor and really incredible man. He, he knew over 20 languages and he was uh, uh, a great civil rights activist. He was going to meet with uh, Che Guevara and, and Fidel Castro just a few weeks before they dosed his drink wow. in a, um, a hotel near the American embassy in Russia and uh, – Ended up thinking you know, he thought he was losing his mind. It was 1961. He didn't know anything about LSD. And his son tells the story of Paul Robeson Jr. And Paul Robeson Jr. said, he, as an adult, he went over there to see what was going on with his father. They dosed Paul Robeson Jr.'s drink also. They did it a number of times to Paul Robeson Sr. and uh, uh, put it, convinced him to go into a mental health hospital. And then they uh, forced some, you know, he got his wife to agree to. Uh, force ECT on an electrical to shock right, yeah. a number of times, 50 times, till they, um, and probably at a higher dose than they're supposed to, and they, they hurt his mind drastically, and so he didn't want to be remembered that way, so he became a recluse the rest of his life and ceased to be as, you know, effective as uh, of an organizer for, on behalf of, you know, human rights. Just this past week, Bill Clinton got rather upset at the Black Lives Matter you know, he uh, he just kind of went off the cuff, and it was rather, wow, Bill, what are you doing? Um, yeah. How yeah. does this... It's interesting. Bill it plays a part in my book in the fact that in Arkansas, you had a city called Mina, and mm-hmm. uh, when George Bush Sr. was running the CIA trafficking operation that Gary Webb documented so well in his uh, you know newspaper series, Dark Alliance. Yeah. And this, it was first run in San Jose Mercury News, and then he created a book out of it. He was a Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, journalist, Gary Webb, and he, he basically documented how you know uh, George Bush Senior was trafficking cocaine uh, through, you know, with the help of the uh, Nicaraguan Contras, who were fighting a covert war against the uh, socialist Sandinista government of Nicaragua. And then bringing all that cocaine and selling it very cheaply, first as the introduction of crack in America and getting into all the black neighborhoods of American cities and, and, and then, of course, expanded out to, to many neighborhoods in general, developing crack addictions all over the country. But um, it was coming, like a one huge hub of it was actually coming through Mena, Arkansas. And Bill Clinton, it was right under Bill Clinton's nose. It was obvious he must have known about it because so much was coming in. Little Rock had the second biggest bond mar- bond market in wow. the country. Second the biggest bond market, yeah. The biggest bond market, of course, is New York City. Right. And why you know why the second biggest would be Little Rock is just beyond comprehension. Makes no except sense. Except if you have tons of cocaine coming in there that needs to be laundered, and that's I, I argue is how they laundered. So, that so was Bill Clinton part of the the drug cartel? I argue that he was. I mean, his brother was caught with loads of cocaine. Uh, Roger Clinton, and this wasn't just a minor thing. This was major, a major, you know, player with loads of connections. So I argue that's how he rose to become president 
is because he was tied up in it all. They could use that against him, and any time they wanted, if he went outside of you know the the puppetry that they wanted, right. what they want from their president. But how come nobody has ever held his feet to the fire? Well, because the media is so controlled. Uh, as I as, you know mentioned before, like yeah. a for, former dean of the University of California School of Journalism, uh, Ben Bagdikian, uh, was a great journalist and had stumbled upon, he said, when he wrote a book about the media monopoly, he stumbled upon the fact that the boards of directors of all the major media companies uh, share boards of directors with the insurance companies, the banks, the pharmaceutical companies, the defense contractors, and that's how they control by by uh, corporate law. They they they're not supposed to uh, do anything that affects hmm. that decreases the profit margin of their cor- of their joint corporations, and that's how they they censor so much news. And another way they do it though is by the CIA um, having agents, undercover agents, uh, relap the media in such a huge way. And this came out in the Senate Church Committee in 1976. They found um, and. Bob, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Carl Bernstein, actually, the Water, Watergate muckraker, first uh, covered this. He covered the fact that the Senate Church Committee report came out with the fact that well over 400 members of the media lived dual lives in the work for the CIA. And they found that it wasn't just average journalists. These were the, they, you know, the ownership of all the major media companies, um, you know, ABC, CBS, Time, Incorporated, You've got to be kidding. And so uh, that's uh, you know, some of the ways they control the the media so well. I can tell you one thing for sure, my friend. Mm-hmm. I am not controlled by CSIS. I am you. not controlled by the CIA. I'm not controlled by anyone. All we want to do here is get the truth out there. Right. And so and that's great. Yeah, radio has uh, has been one of the few places that gets out the truth. Like your your radio show and a, and a handful. Of, yeah, maybe half a dozen to a dozen other radio programs have been great that way, yeah. We try. We try our very best because we believe, and I hope I'm reflecting the thoughts of those out there as well, that the truth is very sacred. The truth needs to get out to the listeners. That the truth is empirical. And that once you take it from we the people to I the person, Whoa, this is not the way this country was meant to run. Yeah. So when you look at the big picture, John, what do you see? How do you how do you react? Like, you know, you and I were talking during a break about Donald Trump. We were talking about Bernie Sanders, who I who's he's he's a pretty cool guy. The burn. Yeah. Feel the burn. Uh Senator or Secretary of State Clinton. And then what's his name? Kasich? Kasich? Kasich, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and then Tom Cruise, thank God he's no longer a Canadian because we don't want him here. Yeah, Cruise is quite quite the uh, intense Bible thumper. He, he looks so, like a Bible so thumper. He's, and, a, he's, uh, he's in the wrong... You know, when he went to speak in the Bronx, they, yeah. Yeah, I heard that the students said they were going to walk out if, if they allowed him to speak, and so they canceled that speech there. You know, I, I look at I look at Tom Cruise, and he reminds me of Jimmy Baker. Remember him, the old yeah, right, the, the old guy from the PTL Club. 
Sure. Like, come on. You're, you're, you're supposed to be wanting to be president of the United States. Don't be a dick, for God's sake. Be a man. You know, talk like a man. Don't talk like a dick. Right. You know, so how do you, as, as an American, my friend, mm-hmm. look at the big picture and say, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to follow. Mm-hmm. And the other guys, well, you know what, it's just not going to wash. Yeah, well, it's pretty easy to see Bernie Sanders being the only one that's calling for national health care, which every industrialized country in the world has, except for the United States. You know, it seems pretty obvious that anyone who wants to uh, lead the people and do something good for the the 99% of us would want national health care. And so he's the only, you know, candidate that that says uh, forcefully that he wants real national health care. Um, now, Clinton's talked about it, but Clinton's also talked about bombing the hell out of every country in the world, which Bernie does not you know, call for. <laughs> and um, and Clinton's followed through on that. Hillary Clinton has been a very right wing, a very much a hawk, wanting to you know war with Iraq uh, when Bernie didn't, wanting war with Syria when sure. Bernie didn't, wanting war against Libya when Bernie didn't. So it's it's a real, pretty clear choice for most Americans. The problem is is that Hillary Clinton has bought out so many uh, Democratic national committees in, in each state around the country, and they've been trying. They've been doing her bidding. She also has the support of Bill Gates. So it's, it recently came out in a Truth Dig uh, article that when uh, there's been certain states that had part of some of their counties had uh, paper ballots that were counted by hand, and some had uh, computer ballots that were run by um, software that, that Bill Gates, you know, put in there. And Bill Gates explicitly supports Hillary Clinton. So uh, Bernie Sanders won in all the hand, you know, hand ballot counties. Sure. But in the uh, precincts that had computer, you know, uh, ballots, uh, she won, of course, because uh, they think that um, the ballots were flipped on the computers because it's so easy to do. In your opinion, based on what you know and what you see down uh, below the 49th parallel, who do you think is the strongest contender for the Democratic and then the Republican candidacy? Well, I definitely definitely think that uh, Sanders is the strongest to the Democrats and Mm -hmm. Trump the Republicans. And uh, someone who I I quote a lot in my book, Peter Dale Scott, uh, is a great researcher on drugs and politics. Um, professor Peter Dale Sky, he was a professor at University of California, Berkeley, at one time. He, and he's also Canadian, um, but he was a diplomat at one point. Great man. Uh, but he says that Trump and Sanders were both the only candidates that weren't vetted by the powers that be. And uh, that's part of the reason that there are loads of people in the United States that say, I'm trying to decide between Trump and Sanders, even though they seem so different. They just consider themselves out, outside the mainstream of you know, of the politicians. And and who do you think these powers to be are? Well, these powers that be, as I say, are uh, the corporate, multinational corporate ownership. You know, the owners of the defense contracting companies, the oil company owners, the bank owners, the insurance companies owners, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pharmaceutical company owners. It's all of them, yes. So how do we get around the 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 infighting? How do we get around the the inner circle of political, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The well, I, the I payoffs. 
Yeah, yeah, I think grassroots movements is part of it. I mean, I say by all means necessary. And one of them is trying to vote, even though, it, you know, it could be stolen from us, at least try try to vote anyway. And they being be getting involved in grassroots movements. People like Tupac Shakur. Right. We're trying to organize uh, all kinds of people into all kinds of movements. He was getting trying to get gangs to put down to stop drug dealing mm-hmm. and get more into activism. And he was having a lot of success at that, actually. And that's why he was killed is because he uh, was was kind of... Uh, causing the biggest gang conversions in the country with the help of his Black Panther extended family, getting the Bloods and Crips to call peace truces and turn into activism. And when they stopped dealing drugs around the country, Tupac cost them billions, and I mean literally tens if not hundreds of billions of dollars, uh, not just in the actual drug sales, but also in the money laundering. And the money laundering through stocks, it's uh, complicated by explaining in my book, how it ends up uh, costing uh, ten times as much as the actual you know amount of cash that is laundered. It, you get ten times more in the perceived increase in stock value, and um, and so that's why he costs these banks uh, literally tens to hundreds of billions of dollars. When we look at the big picture, who do you think has the best chance of winning the the presidential? Uh, candidacy going into November. Well, I'm hoping. Of course, I'm still hoping Bernie Sanders. I think the people, if, if there was a real election, uh, people most want Bernie Sanders to win. It's just a matter of it's, if it's going to be stolen from him or not. Now you're saying getting these crowds of, of literally say, ten to twenty thousand, at least sometimes thirty and thirty plus thousand mm-hmm. people in every city he goes to these days. So, what's the attraction with Bernie? Uh, the attraction is he's for the 99% of us that want national health care, that want the, the chance at free college mm-hmm. instead of getting burdened down with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, you know undergrad and graduate school uh, loans. And, um, you know, he gives, he gives the, the common person a fighting chance in life, you know. But how is he going to do all this? No, it seems to be no, like it, it's easy. It, I mean, if you just stop one or two of these wars, you can save a trillion dollars. You know, I mean, it's incredible. It's trillions of dollars going each year to these these multiple wars mm-hmm. we're waging all over the world. But what about the homeland security? Well, we know that's a joke. You know, it's it's you know all these supposed terrorist acts are foiling. When you when they get into the details of them, and documentaries have shown this, you find that the FBI actually tried to convince these young Muslims to do something that they wouldn't have already done by themselves in terms of, like, supplying everything and convincing them, come on, you know, come with me and wow. get involved. And here, I got this this, this uh, equipment, this bomb, and I'll just, just come with me. And they, they convince these young guys to, to say, well, all right, I'm, I'm pissed off at, at the government, so right. maybe I'll just check it out. And that's it. These guys wouldn't normally do something terrorist like they talk about. So it's there's it's homeland security is a joke. It's really about policing us ever more uh, carefully in terms of oppressing us and you know and turning America into a police state for for fake reasons. Exo Nation, John Potash is our guest this hour. www.johnpotash.com. John and I will be back as we wrap up this hour here in the Exo from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Ah! 
a cold finger beckons you to enter his web of sin. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500 plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. If you enjoy reading a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love From Out of the Woodwork by William S. Peckham. Sean Kennedy, a Toronto contractor, buys derelict houses, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, a century house in ruins, and starts the renovation, the house fights back. He is visited by ghosts of owners past. His visions are triggered by touching an oak mantle, reading a faded letter, opening an old locket, or opening a brand new casket in the basement. These visions will take you on a trip across southern Ontario from Niagara Falls to Toronto to Kingston. From Out of the Woodwork is now available in paperback and on your favorite electronic reader. To order your copy of From Out of the Woodwork, go to www.williamspeckham.com. That's www.williamspeckham.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exome Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exome Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. 
call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming Nation, uh, John Potash is my special guest of this hour. Drugs as weapons against us. The CIA's murderous targeting of SDS, Panthers, Hendrix, Lennon, Cobain, Tupac, and other activists. Uh, listen, John, when, when it comes to nuclear war, nuclear fights, the, the weapons of today... Let's look at let's look at uh, North Korea. What's going on there, and how can we best defend ourselves against it? Well, yeah, I I, I would argue that North Korea, for what they are doing, is probably just trying to defend themselves from what has been incredible American and NATO imperialism yeah. in terms of attacking other countries, and they want to. They think they have to have nuclear arms to, to stop that, and they, I think they're probably right. But um, I think the, the bigger weapon that's being used is these drugs that to get us to uh, hurt ourselves, hurt our abilities. So we, have, uh, we cause implosions in our own mind versus explosions around the world. And uh, that's what they did to these great activists, the Students for a Democratic Society, great anti-war movement. Uh, they got them to start using loads of drugs and made them less effective. They did the same thing with getting a number of the Black mm-hmm. Panthers uh, to start you know, using drugs, key Black Panthers, like Huey Newton and, um, and Afeni Shakur, that had, one time had the Harlem Black Panthers, that was Tupac Shakur's mother. They got them, they got undercover agents uh, to manipulate them, influence them to try these right. drugs, and they, you know, those addictions you know, took them out of their best leadership. And so you end up finding out that this, this happened with a number of activists, happened with a number of musicians to promote it to the masses. And people like Kurt Cobain, for example, was, I argue, I'm sure the evidence was psychologically profiled. And he was very left-wing, very anti-war, very pro-civil rights. And he, uh, an undercover agent, got into his life, uh, manipulated him into trying heroin, promoting heroin. Wow. And then when he sobered up, uh, close to about a year before he died... Um, and got more into activism, you know, he was done away with. And so, and with Jimi Hendrix, you find the same thing. He got very into activism last but a year or two of his life after MLK's assassination, and he started supporting Black Panthers and trying to start an anti-war movement, you know, a little anti-war project of his own. Right. And his manager, uh, who admitted being former MI6, I'm sure the evidence was continued to be MI6, which is, of course, British CIA, sure. uh, 48 hours after Jimi Hendrix fired him, he ended up having him killed, and he uh, admitted that when he was drunk to a roadie who came out with that in his book within the last several years. 
And he also used drugs against Jimi Hendrix uh, to sabotage his anti-war benefits and to get him arrested and things like that. And uh, that's, you know, it's been presented in uh, the fiancé of Jimi Hendrix's book, Monica Danneman's book, and I show the evidence of that. So that's just, you know, some of the way this is done. And, um, and I think we, you know, I try to get people to do is to say, we don't need drugs in our life. We can, you know, be better sober and be more effective as activists in changing our society for the better and reclaiming it from these genocidal oligarchs. Hey, John, we've got to say so long for tonight. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Exonation, johnpotash.com is the website. And uh, we'll be back Monday night as once again we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. So until Monday night. Call for alcohol, so finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay.